0: Hello everyone welcome to books without borders the podcast where two people in different hemispheres come together to talk about our favorite things books i'm emma i'm nina and it is a chilly morning here in melbourne it is about six degrees outside i think uh which is what's that in fahrenheit probably 43
1: ish something like that honestly i don't know the conversion but i know both in my head i just can't tell you you know convert them like when I'm in Europe, I know exactly what Celsius is and what degree it is based on just feeling outside. But then when I'm in the US, I completely forget what Celsius is. I don't know why. My brain just switches.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's probably a useful compartmentalization you've got going on there. <laughs> I uh, I'm not going to lie. I did look that up before recording. I don't just have the conversion rate memorized. It's not an easy one.
1: Well, it is 28 degrees, which is 82 in Fahrenheit. Unpleasant. I mean, it, it's been worse, actually. 82 is not that bad. Like, it's been a bit cool from the rain. It's, you know, been drizzling today. But comparatively to uh, the other hemisphere, pretty, pretty hot
0: yes definitely (laughs) it's so funny to me that 28 is like starting to become uncomfortable for you like here that's like you know well like I'm in one of the colder areas of Australia but it's still like really like that that would be a a very moderate summer day like if we had a day that said 28 maximum in in like spring or autumn it would be like oh that's getting a bit warm but if it's in the middle of summer it's like oh what a relief well the thing
1: is I think New York temperatures are on a whole other scale because it's extremely humid here Uh, so in arizona which is like a desert i have family out there on the west coast i will be fine like up to like 100 degrees fahrenheit but if it gets to be 100 here i mean if it gets to be 90 here it's worse than 105 there.
0: Yes, yeah, I can imagine. So how has your week been?
1: Uh, My week has been pretty good. Can't complain. Just working. I only have one more week until I go back to Italy. So that's pretty exciting. I just finalized my apartment this week. It's very cute. I'll have to show you over FaceTime sometime when I get there because oh my gosh, I really I was fighting for this one And and it came through. And uh, yeah, I have my, my class schedule and all that. I'm getting pumped.
0: Awesome. That's great. How was your week in reading?
1: My week in reading was pretty productive. So I got back on the Lauren Oliver train and I made a pretty drastic decision. Instead of ending it with this final novel, Broken Things, I decided, you know what? There are only a few others. Why don't I just do all of them? So, nice. as I had been saying before, I was just planning to read her standalone contemporary thriller young adult novels and, and the adult novel Rooms, which falls in a similar tone. And then she has this handful of dystopian novels Three in a trilogy and two in a duology. The Delirium trilogy, which I briefly discussed as being like the in a world without love, Mm -hmm. you get cured from the sickness they consider love to be by having some sort of treatment on your 18th birthday or whatever it is, you know. And I was like, oh, it's going to be stupid. Like, I'm not going to read it because I just associated, you know, anything. (laughs) I find it hard to stand by anything my middle school self was truly passionate about you know yeah that's Um, fair right (laughs) but I decided to go for it because I just felt like it would be supremely unsatisfying to claim I had this big Lauren Oliver binge and just leave out not only like some major favorites from that time period which is originally what my goal was to do to like revisit this author and why I loved her but also the new duology, you know, I just felt like I couldn't leave it out. And I decided that I would do them all in audiobook to, like, make it easier on myself because previously I'd been doing them all in physical copies. So I finished the trilogy.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I well, I listened to it, like, two times speed on audiobook because I had listened to it, or not re- I had read it before and was pretty familiar with the plot. So, you know, when, when it goes fast over certain words, it's not so important. I actually listen to a lot of things on two times speed, like YouTube videos and even movies sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if that's healthy, but I just do it.
0: Hey, I mean, whatever floats your boat. I do have some podcasts that I put on one point five times because like the the people in it, you know, talk a little more slowly or because it's like a news podcast and I really only am just listening to it to Get the information rather than to enjoy it. I did. Oh, uh, that just reminds me. I did when I was so so a couple of years ago. I decided to to read and by read I mean listen to because there was no way I was going to be able to get through a physical copy. Uh, Les Miserables, um, which is like over a thousand pages long or or close to a thousand pages long, and uh, yeah, so audiobook was going to be the better option. And there are whole sections of it that I don't know why he put them in there like they're, they're not part of the story he's just going on some kind of weird historical rant for himself and i would just go oh this is what the 3 times speed button is for
1: <laughs> yep <laughs> did they sing it all in the audiobook i knew sometimes they do somewhat performancy type stuff
0: no this was just a straight audiobook um just a yeah true reading of the original
1: Interesting. very cool I haven't seen the musical, watched the movie, or read the book, or any of that, but
0: Oh, it's it's recommend? a great story. It's probably the only book I've read that I would actually recommend reading the abridged version <laughs> because I'm assuming that would be just the story without the weird extra extrapolations <laughs> and like, you know, random essaying in the middle of a novel. Interesting. Okay.
1: Good to know. Good to know.
0: So you said you finished the trilogy?
1: I did finish the trilogy and I listened to an audiobook and so after reading the first book I was feeling pretty good. I really enjoyed the concept of the story and the characters were fun and lovable and you know all around it was something I could get behind and I was very glad to find that because I was so worried that it wouldn't hold up to something I was so passionate about in the past and it definitely wasn't what I had loved, or I, I definitely hadn't loved it the way that I did at that time, I think, because it's just so targeted to that age range. Kids at that age don't have access to, like, serious romantic connection, despite all of this exposure to it and this, like, taunting. It almost feels like the media taunts the idea of love and of I don't know. I, I want to call it romantic satisfaction because I remember feeling just a supreme dissatisfaction with my lack of access to it. It felt almost like a serious, like, hardship or oppression almost. I remember feeling very convicted in this righteous lack of access to such strong, passionate emotions.
0: And of Kinda course, like I you were, felt... like, deprived and. and... Dep-
1: yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. I, <laughs> I felt so deprived of this thing that was supposed to be the best thing in the world, you know, or like the most important part of your life, the the, the story that, the rest of your life revolves around as, as so many movies and tv shows make it seem or make relationships and love seem mm-hmm. um that was really frustrating and what i find so ironic about it is that that was definitely the time in my life when i felt much stronger much more passionate emotions about everything so the thought that like i felt deprived from passion and emotion is kind of hilarious and ironic but nonetheless I liked that I was able to see where I was coming from at the time and why I loved the story and why it meant so much to me. In fact, I actually reflected a lot on where my ideas of love and roles in relationship came from from rereading these books by Lauren Oliver because they had such an influence over me and Through a lot of the rereads that I've been doing the last few years, it's been quite shocking, and this has probably been the most shocking of my reread experiences, to find that things I thought I had made up in my head, these sort of rules for what qualifies love in a relationship or how you're supposed to act to show that you're loving and caring, all these ideas that seem very internal. I very clearly took from books that I'd read and that was almost unsettling because I I thought they were my ideas and I thought they were natural and Not to say that they're bad ideas or I shouldn't have them or I regret having been influenced by them at all because they're perfectly fine ideas. I mean, it's not the end of the world, you know? Um, Mm. But it was just startling for sure to see, especially because this book deals so much with a young person discovering what love means and what it feels like, that I projected that idea onto when I finally found love as an older teenager in high school or whatever for the first time and... Though I was pretty distant from the time that I had read this book, it had stuck with me so deeply that it certainly impacted how I viewed the relationship I was experiencing in my real life in my head. And I think it even influences me today. It's kind of freaky. Anyway, I, I think mm. there's a lot of amazing self-reflection that can be done from reading these books. And it was really affirming to find that conclusion because a part of me in my brain is like, Am I wasting reading time on rereads of books that aren't even that poignant or important or whatever? Like, should I be spending more time? Like, a lot of people don't look too fondly on adults reading YA in general, which I don't really care But it still creeps into the back of my mind. But I think that, honestly, learning about the world through maybe better writers, better thinkers... Who, who create more complex stories and ideas in their writing. That has a value, but so does this experience of reflecting on where your ideas were created, whether that's reading this Delirium series or it means like reading the Goosebumps series or whatever it is, whatever your childhood thing was, you know? I think there's so much more in that than people realize. So I felt very gratified in this decision.
0: Totally, yeah. And look, I mean, the you, you were saying about it not being important or poignant. It might not be to other people, but it, it is to you, clearly, because it's clearly had a really important impact on your thinking, your approach to life.
1: You know, I think it was really important to my younger self. I think if I read it today, it definitely wouldn't feel important. There's a certain lack of depth in it, simply because I find this most with art. And I, I'm an art history major so i i'm always thinking about um you know the motives behind artists and stuff and writing is very similar i find that when artists or writers or whoever try to write about an oppressive experience that they can't relate to there's always going to be a lack of depth art about women's struggles that is made by men it's just not that deep you know they just don't really get where they could be getting if it was made by a woman. I find that all the time, and it's something I I laugh about, especially in like modernist art and stuff. When a lot of art was influenced by psychologists, and men start to think that they understand women's issues and they make art about it, but it just doesn't get anywhere near the reality. Mm -hmm. I think it's true in this case as well for... Lauren Oliver trying to write about this extremely oppressive situation I was viewing it actually a lot through a queer lens because this is a story about illegal love and it might shock you but it's extremely heteronormative this whole world I mean that's sarcastically because probably not it was written in 2012 so let's be honest but (laughs) it's extremely heteronormative they're like that we're going to prevent love by keeping boys and girls separate in school. <laughs> and it's like, well, you're clearly missing something in this whole world. Like queerness does not exist in, to any extent in this world, which is just so weird when the foundation of it is, is like a queer experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely felt like the fact that she hadn't gotten into that layer of depth into the discussion of queerness, not only showed that she couldn't actually relate to the character she was writing, but also just made it feel a little bit more shallow. So there was that. And also, I mean, I think an impressive experience in general of this, this process of creating social change through rebellious action and trying to change politics because it is discriminating against a certain group of people. Like there was a slight, almost like potential disability conversation in there i don't think she did it intentionally but along with people who had quote-unquote caught the love disease by falling in love were people who had become defected by the procedure and they were all outcasted and so like i thought there was such a potential to create some sort of I don't know, like, disability identity rebellion, you know, against the system that excludes them or, you know, turns them to really horrible conditions, living conditions. And that, that just doesn't get explored at all because she's just not a disabled person, at least from what I can tell of her online presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there was a certain lack of depth that it's so unfortunate to see potential and not have it actually come to fruition. But I also know... It was, you know, a YA novel written in 2012. It's not trying to be that deep. It doesn't have to be that deep, and it's okay. It's just unfortunate to see potential where there there is no outcome, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, it certainly sounds a bit disappointing. So, w- did you feel that way about the whole trilogy?
1: I would say so. I mean, they kind of melded together in my head because I read them so quickly. Like, I read them over the course of maybe three days, and they were on two times speed. So, it didn't really feel such a difference between them it was kind of just this overarching story of this girl breaking away from her society and joining the rebellion which i don't i don't think it's a spoiler that's 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 the idea of most dystopian trilogies with those things aside with those shortcomings you know i will acknowledge but still feel like the series as a whole was a successful and enjoyable reread i'm glad i did it and i'm right now Earlier, I was starting the the other duology that's in a dystopian world. Since it's only a duology, I feel pretty confident that I'll get through it and that I'm, you know, I'm reading it on audiobook at two times speed as well. So I'll probably get through it pretty quickly. I've been reading also Broken Things, which, you know, I've been mentioning the last few weeks. I've been sort of slugging through it, although it's very enjoyable. Like, I say that, but not because it's been hard to get through. Honestly, I've been reading it. And coming to the conclusion that I want to have that be the novel I finish this project on. And I have these extra novels to get through on the side while I'm at work. So I'm kind of putting that on the slow track, you know, so that I can bust through these other ones and finish with Broken Things as this like grand finale. Interesting. Um, Yeah, that's the plan. And it's going pretty well. I'm actually really, you know, I'm still very much engaged with the plot and excited to see where it goes. I'm a little bit nervous because I don't know how much you recall maybe of this book's plot, but it's the one about three girls who are best friends. They all are in love with this one book. It's like a fantasy book. And somehow, Narnia style, they're able to go inside the world. And that was like their friendship Thing that they did together until one summer when one of the friends was brutally murdered, and the whole town thinks the two other best friends did it. So there's this really awesome potential for an exploration of that fantasy world. But I'm like two thirds or more of the way through the book, and they haven't gone into the fantasy world. I'm like, is it real? Is it not? I, I really wanted to see some fantasy world action. Even though I know she's not so much of a fantasy writer, and I don't know if she's gonna avoid it for the whole book, but it'd be kind of weird to like throw it in there and then and like the end, you know? I was thinking the whole book would kind of take place partway in this fantasy world where they're uncovering the secrets of this story, but maybe it's gonna be one of those things where like, they discover the truth was in reality, and maybe this world wasn't actually real or something. But they seem pretty convinced that it was real. I don't know. We'll see. I'm very curious. I do feel like if the fantasy world was not real then it'd be a little bit of a letdown or if they don't ever go into the fantasy world that'll definitely be a little bit of a letdown but I'm enjoying it so far and I'm on board so I'll probably have a conclusion to give you next week because I'm leaving and have to give back to the library anyway so okay (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) an excellent deadline
1: (laughs) yeah right that's my wrap up for this week how about you
0: I have had a much less productive reading week but mostly because the books I've been reading are long so I haven't done as much as you have. I only finished one book this week so I finished reading the other half of The Story of the Lost Child by Elena Ferrante which means I'm now done with that Neapolitan novels quartet. Wow. Yeah. What um yeah, good. All four books were very engaging and very engrossing. Unfortunately, the last kind of quarter-ish of the last book did drag a bit which was a bit disappointing but the ending was quietly satisfying so so the premise of all four books is essentially that it starts with the first book starts with it's all written first person and the first book starts with the main character who actually the authors used her own name as the character name which is interesting Interesting. so yeah elena is talking about right from the beginning of the first book the fact that she's writing a book about her life from her 60s looking back and there's all these little things at the start of each book that are kind of from the future and then go back and then the vast majority of each book is spent more chronologically so like basically the the ending of it was essentially just the mirror image of the very beginning of like you know just wrapping everything up which is pretty much exactly what you'd expect
1: I love Um, that like revisiting the original start of the story
0: yeah well I mean the start of the story was
1: just like here's
0: me reflecting on my life and then the end is like and that was me reflecting on my life (laughs) <laughs> Except it sounds a lot nicer than that because she's a brilliant writer. I think overall the books I think got slightly just just from just you know for my taste got very very slightly less engrossing for each book maybe that was because I'd been reading them very close together and so maybe the voice was um, you know the literal voice in my case because I was listening to an audio book maybe the voice was getting a bit tired towards the end but I'd also possibly just because there was more kind of you know dramatic relationship twists and turns in the earlier books than there could be in the later ones. it did get more politically bent towards the later books as well which was interesting in terms of like the context of politics in Italy around the 60s 70s for the majority because yeah Italy even now has not got the most stable politics in the world. Um, about- yeah. So uh, that was that was interesting to see, kind of from the perspective of a southern poor community, uh, because especially since I know very little about my own family's history, and even if I did, my family is from the north of Italy, and it's a very different. Yeah situation so and especially like this is set in naples which is even more separated from the rest of southern italy right but yeah it was it was very interesting read overall i'm making it sound more boring than it is i promise it was actually a very engr- <laughs> engrossing read
1: how many years did it span
0: it's oh at least years life. yeah so it what? would have been from yeah from her childhood like kind of prime uh, mid-primary school years to right up until she's writing in her 60s so probably a bit more than 50 years
1: wow yeah that's That's like a whole journey like you just lived a whole lifetime
0: yeah that and honestly it kind of feels like that like like when I got to the end of it I was like wow back to my own reality (laughs) but yeah I can recommend for people who are interested in those kinds of generational extended life kind of stories and also if you like books that kind of give you unexpected twists and turns
1: all the way through when you least expect them Wow. Um, And is it all based on the author's life, or is it completely fictional?
0: I think it's completely fictional. I haven't actually done the research into it, but from... If, if this were, like, one of very few series of books she'd written, I would probably be inclined to say, oh, maybe it was her life, but I looked up her author bio and she is a prolific writer, apparently.
1: Gotcha. Probably not then.
0: Yeah, I would have to look it up, but I, I my instinct is that it's probably not. Um, but yeah, so that was that one. Um, like I mentioned before, I, I read that as a buddy read and also, which you know, which was delightful, and also fulfilling the secondhand hand. Prompt for the Magic Readathon. So that was book number three out of six for my Readathon prompts done. Um,
1: Anyone in the Discord finished it as well? Have you been able to talk to people about it?
0: Yeah, the one other person who was reading it more on the same timeline as me um, has also finished, and and they also said like the last hundred pages dragged a little. <laughs> That's been really fun to kind of go through, and now I'm you know there's still a few people in the buddy read because there's several of us who are still reading the first couple of books, and every now and again they'll kind of unlock our comments and reply to them, and it's, it's really fun. Nice. It's uh, especially fun being the ones that are right at the end and seeing people be like, wait, what? This happened? And you're like, oh, oh, just wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Internally, obviously, I would never say anything out loud because spoilers.
1: I've never actually done a buddy read.
0: This was my first one, and it's super fun, um, and I really want to do some with you. I know I know you mentioned last time that um, you want to read some of those like Japanese translated books together. We should totally buddy read them.
1: Definitely.
0: So yeah, apart from that, the only other book I have been reading this week is another long one. It's The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey oh. Niffenegger. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if that's wrong.
1: That's high on my list to read right now, yeah. I really want to read
0: that. Yeah, it's been on my list forever. And then when the prompt came up for the magic readathon of read a book involving time travel, I was like, oh, now is the time.
1: Awesome. I'm excited to hear what you think. Are you gonna start that next?
0: I've already started it, so I've read awesome. I've read about a third of it. And it's it's quite enjoyable so far. It's so far it's very kind of surface surface level setting the scene, but it's still really interesting like the and it's my favorite type of book. it's mostly just like dialogue and interactions and you know occasionally there'll be descriptions of what people are wearing, which in this case is actually quite funny because this is not a spoiler because it happens like right from the beginning. One of the things about this guy is that whenever he time travels it's completely and this is actually way more interesting than I was expecting. Um, the time traveling he does, is almost like a medical condition and he can't control when he does it. It's almost like epilepsy, like it's triggered by stress or like they actually describe it at one point as being similar in kind of presentation to epilepsy in the way it appears. And the other thing about that is that it not only happens involuntarily and he gets shunted to a part of his past or future that he has no choice over, but he also does that with no clothes because he cannot take anything from any one timeline into another wow i say timeline it's actually all one timeline and it's it's done really well honestly i like i was expecting it to be good because everyone says it's good but also there's always the risk with time travel of the paradox issues and potential multiple timelines things going wrong and so far i look I'm, I'm assuming something's going to go wrong because otherwise it's you know not a story it's just a situation but I I really like that it's written in a way where it actually makes sense that someone could be doing this like the way it's set up there's no changing anything there's yeah it's I haven't come across any kind of irritating plot holes or anything yet like it's done quite well
1: oh good to hear I love to hear it I'm very excited to pick that one up
0: yep I'm very happy that I'm enjoying it as much as I am and I hope that I continue to I'm sure I will so that's me for the week do you have any new books or any new tbrs
1: well i do so i got one new book this week and it is their eyes Were watching god by zora neale hurston i got a really beautiful copy too it's like this magenta with some kind of really pretty flower so i got that book and i picked up two other books from the library that had been delivered they were on holds and i got my turn and they are sheets and lonely boys which are two graphic novels both recommended by miss Ariel our queen <laughs> <laughs> at least my, my queen of graphic novel recommendations because i feel like there aren't many people in book community that i get like graphic novel recommendations from frequently mm-hmm. and she's always providing really good ones so I started Sheets actually I haven't gotten too much farther into it because I just sort of flipped through the first few bits when I picked it up from the library out of curiosity so I have those which I don't know if I said the, the full names but Sheets by Brenna Thummler and Lonely Boys by S. Bidard. I hope I pronounced that right but very excited to read those those are my hauls for the week and then On my TBR, I do believe I added one item.
0: So you're going to have to uh, power through those graphic novels pretty quickly then if you're you're leaving the country soon.
1: I actually have, yeah, like five graphic novels I have to get through. So I I get through like three in a sitting pretty much, you know, because they're pretty quick. So I'm sure I'll make it happen. But I definitely have to start thinking about them soon because the deadline's coming up
0: you know yeah so well there you go listeners um you've got a, a, a potentially rather large graphic novel have read segment for next
1: week so the okay the only uh, other book that i added to my tbr this week is vile bodies by evelyn vog though i'm not sure how to pronounce her last name i got this recommendation from a booktube video actually do you watch jack edwards He's a no bookkeeper? Oh, I uh, I'm
0: actually not. I need I need to get more involved with the book you the like the BookTube community because apart from Ariel and Book Roast who hosts the Magical Readathon, which I only I only just started following her recently, I have very very little involvement otherwise.
1: Really, that's crazy. That BookTube is my favorite place in the world. It is my salvation. I spend a lot of time on BookTube or and have. I mostly got into it when I was reading a lot in middle school and then dropped off of it for a long time. And it's kind of followed my my book reading trajectory of, like, you know, recently throughout pandemic, I got back into it. And it's just so soothing. Like, it's just content I always want. Someone to talk about great books and often they have a theme around the books they're talking about. This Jack Edwards video. And he's really cool. He does a lot of, like, themed Reading projects or reading challenges, and he's very thoughtful and he's fairly new as well to the community. I mean, maybe the last couple of years he's been, but <laughs> uh, there are people like that I follow, like, I probably have followed Ariel for like at least 10 years. So, he-, he like I said, he's new to the community. But anyway, he did a video about 20 books to read in your 20s, and this was one of the books. I can't exactly remember what. It's about, but I'm kind of okay with that. And something tells me he said it's a good book to go into without knowing anything. The buzzwords that Storygraph is giving me are dark, funny, reflective, and medium-paced. So I'm honestly, this is another one I was just intrigued by the cover. And of course, the the topic, even though I can't remember what the topic is now. But the cover is just so stunning that I I have full faith, (laughs) you know?
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. Sometimes you can judge a book by its cover.
1: Definitely. Definitely.
0: Or you can at least delude yourself into thinking you can.
1: (laughs) I feel like it's like the astrology of reading.
0: Oh my god, you're so right. (laughs) Right? You are so right.
1: (laughs) Like when I read it, when I pick up a book purely based on the cover, like I've I've had a few of these, and if I read it and it's amazing, I'm like, I knew. It was meant to be. I knew it from the cover, but I really didn't. I just got lucky maybe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, well, that sounds cool. I also only have one. uh, So I have no hauls again. uh, And I've only got one new addition to the TBR since we last spoke. Well, apart from the several graphic novels you you recommended last time, because those all went on there. I don't read a lot of graphic novels, but I want to. And so there's plenty on my TBR. (laughs) So the book that I've added is one that has been recommended by Raylene of the Books Unbound podcast several times recently. And, you know, she posted on Instagram that it's basically one of her new favorite books. And I was like, you know what? This sounds good. The book is The Dishwasher by Stéphane Laroux, translated from French by Pablo Strauss. And honestly, the description that's written is actually a really good one. So I might just read it out. It's winter in Montreal, 2002, when a graphic design student's gambling addiction starts to drag him under. In debt to the metal band that's commissioned him to draw their album cover and ensnared in lies to his friends and his cousin, he takes the first job that promises a paycheck. Dishwasher at La Trattoria, a high-end restaurant where he finds himself thrust on his first night into roiling world of characters. A magnificent hyper-realist debut with a soundtrack by Iron Maiden, The Dishwasher plunges us into a world in which, for better or for worse, everyone depends on each other.
1: I love a book with a soundtrack.
0: Yeah, I am very excited about that. Iron Maiden is not a band that I listen to a lot of, but I listen to to a fair amount of other metal music, and I know that my housemate will <laughs> will be very familiar with Iron Maiden, so I might confer with him every now and again.
1: Awesome. Is it like an actual playlist? Like, do they have a list of songs, or is it just he's listening to Iron Maiden mention song names throughout the book? Do you know?
0: I don't know. I, 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 I'm guessing probably the latter. But yeah, from what Raylene was saying, it sounds like it's basically like really in-depth describing the very kind of frantic environment that occurs in a high-end restaurant kitchen. And yeah, I... To be honest, it's not the kind of book I would have picked up had I not read the description a few times and like heard her recommend it a few times, but it just, it kind of stuck in my head, you know, like when uh, sometimes you hear a book mentioned all the time and you're like, oh yeah, whatever. And then sometimes you hear it mentioned a few times and you go, hmm, It stuck <laughs> with me for some reason. And so, yeah, I figured it was time to add it to the TBR.
1: Awesome. I'm excited to hear that it goes. I actually have a friend who works or just left working in the restaurant industry and it just sounds like a story he'd love but he's not a reader so I feel hesitant to recommend him a book I haven't read so I mm. feel a slight like pressure to read it so that I can affirm that it's great and recommend it to him because I don't know I think he would find it cathartic
0: nice well if I end up reading it before you do I'll, I'll certainly be letting you know how it is anyway so
1: wonderful
0: <laughs> what's our next segment today
1: I believe it's our book tag. Ooh, our
0: first book tag.
1: I'm very excited. I I've, I've never done a book tag before. I've never had a reason to. And me neither. I've always wanted. I I'm, I'm just so excited. It's such a not it's not as popular on BookTube right now actually. It's very much a relic of old BookTube pretty much. I mean, now it's more common for people to do book challenges where they like set a tbr based on some theme or something but i just don't see that many book tags anymore i think probably the only person who really keeps them up and is like an old booktuber is jesse the reader i don't know if you're familiar with him either he's also great uh he's been going strong he's one of the only like oldies who's still really keeping it up at the same rate that he was back in the day but yeah i'm excited for a book tag So the book tag we're doing today is the social media book tag. It is one created a while ago by the YouTube account Faulty Devices, which is no longer active from what we can tell. It's been done by a lot of popular booktubers, so I imagine that people familiar with booktube will have seen one or two before. But the basic premise is that we are going to match a book to each social media platform and base it on, like, qualities associated with that platform.
0: Yep, that sums it up pretty well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So I think Twitter's the first one, right?
0: Yeah, so <laughs> Twitter's the first one. We're going by the Ariel Bassette version of this tag. I believe she made some small adjustments, but yeah, that's the one we're going through because, as usual, this is essentially a not-so-secret Ariel Bassette fan club. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Okay, so first up is Twitter, which is a short but sweet book that we recommend. Do you have one in mind?
0: I do. So my shortest favorite book is a recent read and a recent publish, actually. It's Bargain Bin Rom-Com by Lena Norms. It's a little, yeah, it's a little poetry collection. I think it was about 71 pages long. So yeah, Bugmin Romcom is a very short poetry collection by Lena Norms. It's her first published collection. She is a very witty British uh, YouTuber and writer, and her poetry collection is basically like it's. She describes it herself as poems for people who don't like poems, and as someone who also does quite like poems they're also very good (laughs) for for me as well it's it's a really enjoyable really humorous collection of poems some are very kind of poignant some are more humorous there's some great stuff about what it's like to work in offices and yeah i can highly recommend that to basically anyone i love her she's so cool yeah, she's awesome. I love, yeah, she's like one of my favorites. It's exactly my content.
1: <laughs> Mine is actually very similar. It's a collection of letters from a YouTuber, that, like a YouTuber um, published. It's called This Modern Love by Will Darbyshire. He is a YouTuber who does these sort of like short film clips type videos like very artsy I think he was like trying to be a director or something
0: Um, yeah I used to watch him back in the day has he been I I haven't I haven't been very active lately I don't know is he still making videos
1: I think he is but less frequently at least the last time I checked like he probably had one within like three months ago I can't exactly remember but I, I think he's still active online to some degree but this was a collection that he published probably in like 2013 so like it's been a while but essentially the premise is he sent out a request on all of his social media platforms for people to write letters and submit them to him or maybe send in letters they had written to someone about one of three prompts and it's either a letter to a crush or a letter to someone you love a love letter or a letter to an x and so the book is split into these three parts the beginning the middle and the end and gosh it is heart-wrenching and it is just so amazing because each section has so much humor and so much passion and so much love and you know of course like the first section is probably the most like cutesy because it's about crushes and some of them are from people who have never like been in relationships before and I believe it's, like the age range of people who had submitted to the project was like 12 to like 70 like it was very varied and it was from many countries all around the world and it, in general it was just a very interesting diverse sort of uh, it's a lot of interesting diverse glimpses into different relationships and so like I was saying the crush section is probably the most innocent and sweet and cutesy but there are also some like heart-wrenching ones in there like people writing love letters to crushes that don't exist yet or crushes they know don't requite their love or whatever and then the middle section is just so like mushy gushy but makes you feel good like what's so nice is that all of these stories feel like the kinds of things that fiction writers write about in love stories but they're real and it, it feels very affirming. I remember I read it many years ago, and then I read it, like, I, I don't know, I've read it at different intervals in my life. Different parts seem to always stick out more than others, depending on where I am in my life, and so it's something I revisit often. It's like a high-ranked book in, in my tiered system, because it just has so much to think about, and it's another one of these books that's heavily influenced the way I think about love and relationships.
0: That's awesome. You've made me really interested in it now.
1: Yeah, no, and it's, I should say, it's like an hour-long read. That's the best part, too. It's like a textbook. I would consider it a love textbook, but it takes like an hour to read. So good. What's next? Next is Facebook, a book everyone pressured you into reading. This one's actually really hard for me because I don't think I've ever been pressured to read a book. I feel like everyone talks about being pressured to read books, but I really don't think... I've ever been pressured by someone no, you know now that I say it I think I've pressured myself to read books you know ever do you ever have a feeling where you start a series or you start a book maybe it's more common but I've had it where like I start a series and even though I'm hating it I feel like I have to finish it
0: yeah I definitely get that and especially if it's like something that a lot of people have promised you is really good and then you're like mm, maybe if I keep sticking with it yeah
1: I okay I felt that for a few series I think the the most dramatic example was I read it's really bad it's just I mean I'm sorry if people love this book but it's just really bad the series called fallen by I think her name is Lauren Kate is the author it's just extremely cheesy bad YA supernatural stuff <laughs> And I remember I read the first one and was like, I didn't like that. But I had this thing in my head where I just felt like, well, now I have to read the other three. And I just anger read them. I hate read them so hard for absolutely no reason. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember, why did I do that? Like afterwards, you know, reflecting on like, was that necessary? And I think that actually dramatically changed my like head to no longer have that rule. For that particular reason.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. Fair. <laughs> life is too short to. Well, actually, more to the point, life is too long to spend it doing things you don't enjoy. <laughs> like for real. Yeah. Well, mine is. I also had a bit of trouble with this, but I. I thought back to high school, and um, there was one book called Holes by Louis Sachar. Or Sachar. Sa- Sachar. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce that. And I don't know uh, how huge this book was um, in America but for um,
1: yes big big okay yeah
0: I figured it probably was
1: I haven't read it but I know of it I know it's a very like known title
0: yes absolutely so in like early high school which would be middle school for you guys the English reading books were out and like I went I went with a a different class and a lot of my other friends were in the class that read Holes and at least three of them for years were pestering me about like I know you'd really love this book I really I do I promise you'd really like you know and these are these are friends who have basically almost never let me down in terms of taste so I did eventually read it and it's fantastic it was it was uh very well worth the pressure and Louis Sachar, dis- despite my not being able to pronounce his name, is now an author that I, I really enjoy. So yeah, that was a, a positive pressure for that one.
1: Oh, wow. That's great. I honestly feel like I've seen the movie at some point, but was never tempted for some reason. I don't know. But if you say it's great, I'll, I'll definitely consider it.
0: I mean, past me enjoyed it, but then also... Less distant past me enjoyed another Louis Sachar book a couple of years ago, so I'm probably going to say that that's trustworthy. Which which one? The Card Turner. That one's an interesting book. That one's, <laughs> it's literally an entire book about bridge, and it talks about like the rules of bridge, but it's done in such a way that makes it fascinating and, and really funny too. Like the, it set, it sets it up in in this kid's life, and like he's having to hang out with his uncle or grandfather or something. I can't remember right now, but it was really entertaining, and it's, it's, it's a really good example of his writing style, honestly. like It can make anything interesting. <laughs> wow,
1: okay. Good to know. So the next one is Tumblr, a book you read before it was cool.
0: Cool. So mine for this is Turtles All the Way Down by John Green, mostly because I pre-ordered it and read it immediately upon arrival, so I feel like by definition I have to have read it before it became popular. Probably. I, that was, I don't know. Honestly, I struggled with this one a little because I'm usually behind the trend.
1: <laughs> I would say that's an but... interesting because I honestly, I don't know if that book has gotten cool. I mean, it's a great book, but at least until the movie comes out, I don't feel like it's that like widely talked about, which is really surprising because, you know, John Green.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Um, in that case, I'm going to claim that along the lines of I'm anticipating it will be cool once the movie comes out. But also equally, I feel like then I think from memory, I read The Fault Now Stars when it first came out as well. I that, think.
1: That's definitely a flex.
0: <laughs> I think. The thing is, I'm not entirely sure because that's a period of my memory that is like just really foggy. <laughs> I do remember loaning the book to one of my teachers though. <laughs> so I feel like I must have had it before the movie came out at least
1: definitely i think mine for this is 13 reasons why i read that in middle school and probably i don't know i guess 2013 or earlier and you know i really liked the book at the time and then the show comes out like five years later or something like that And everybody's talking about it. And I just remember being totally, like, getting my reader ego on and being like, I read this so long ago. Everyone's, like, late to the train. And also (laughs) everyone complaining about the show. I'm like, well, you haven't read the book, so you can't actually judge the story at all. And just, like, being so frustrated that is like, being tainted by this. I mean, I don't think the show was horrible, but I get the criticism of it. A lot of people felt it was just, like, Overly dramatic or something, or overly cheesy. I don't know exactly what the criticism was.
0: I feel like the early criticism was that it showed too much. It was too graphic. You mean? I th- yeah, I think it was people. People. I, I haven't. I haven't seen it or read it, but um, from what I remember being the buzz, I think it was initially at least. It was mostly about it being too explicit in descriptions of things and lo- and like depictions of things.
1: Yeah, there is. I mean, it's a you know content warning a book about suicide so there is a very graphic suicide death in the story that I think people were just like I think there's no way for that to be not upsetting for people you know yeah Uh, and maybe it's just easier to read than it is to watch or easier for you to imagine it as real than watch it as real because in your head it's just a little bit fuzzier you know
0: Totally, and it doesn't have like emotional camera angles and music. Like I, there's, there's I, there are, there are more books than I can even list that I have been able to read that I would never ever be able to watch a movie.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: For that reason, yeah.
1: So the next one. Wow, this really shows how old this tag is. But the next one is MySpace, a book you don't remember whether you liked or not. I, I just...
0: do I do think that's still relevant, though, in that like MySpace is a platform that people don't remember.
1: Yeah, although I, I feel like you have to remember whether you liked it or not because you were on it. I can't claim that I was ever on MySpace.
0: No, you were. You were way, way too young for the MySpace era, and I am only just too young for it also. I was exactly the right age to join Facebook when it became huge. And so I just bypassed MySpace entirely. Uh, My one for this, I this was a weird one for me because I'm much more likely to remember whether I liked a book or not than to remember what the book was about or like whether I've read it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm like, I have a feeling I liked this book, but I can't remember if I've actually read it or whether I just like the idea of it. Um, <laughs> Like, it's that bad, but upon scrolling through my red list, the only one I could think of that kind of fit was Me and Earl and the Dying Girl by Jesse Andrews, which I only know I must have enjoyed enough because there was a four-star rating on my Goodreads for it, but in terms of my actual memory of the book, nothing.
1: Really? That's funny.
0: I mean I read it I read it quite a, quite a while ago now like sev- several years ago but it's I, I the only thing I remember is that I watched the movie and I did not like it and the book was way better. That's the only thing I really remember.
1: That's funny. I did like the movie so I wonder if I would like the book even better. I mean, I don't know if it's one I'll really go back to cuz I feel like I missed the train on it, but that's interesting. Do you do you feel like you remember the plot clearly?
0: Nope. Nothing. <laughs> I remember that there's three characters and one of them is a dying girl and one is named Earl and the other one is the titular me.
1: (laughs) I don't know if that's a memory or just uh, context clues, but (laughs) I I think you've nailed this question. Mine is actually Catcher in the Rye. People have such strong opinions about this book and maybe the reason I can't remember my opinions was that they just simply weren't that strong. I think it's a similar situation where I couldn't have hated it because I gave it like a four star sort of middle ground recommendation, but I really want to revisit it because I want to know what my feelings actually are because people are so passionate about it. And also because it's a new point in my life. Like I probably read that like five years ago or almost five years ago. I think something like that. Cause I reread books that I, you know, read five years ago mm-hmm. and rated highly. And it hasn't come up on my list yet, but it should be coming up soon. And I'm, I definitely feel like I'm due for a reread to clarify those feelings.
0: That's a really interesting um, project, kind of the rereading after five years thing. That's that sounds like a great idea.
1: I only reread books that I rated above five stars. So the books that felt like cream of the crop of the year, generally. my I So I have two sort of reread projects going on. I have a five year and I have a 10 year. So the 10 year I reread classics. After 10 years, regardless of the rating I gave them, unless I remember them too clearly, I want to like go back and reread them because I think they will take on a new light with age. I think that's kind of the beauty of classics in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then for the five-year reread project, it's like my favorite books five years ago. I want to see if they still stand now. I, I could go over my-, my list for this year, but I think This Modern Love was actually one of them that I would do for a five-year reread, and I just did it and it very much held
0: up <laughs> that's really interesting i'm 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 really tempted to do something similar now i'd never even thought of doing something like that because i as as previously discussed in our first ever episode i'm not very good at deciding on what to read so if i were to have something like that that's like a ritualized five year kind of thing
1: it's fun Let me tell i you. might have to join you I'm really into it because I'm, like I said before, like I'm learning so much about who I was five years ago and, um, learning, I mean, it was such a pivotal time in my coming of age that of course I'm going to gain more from it than maybe I would be gaining five years from now. Although who knows who really, who knows? I think it's a good period of time to like step back and reflect on who you were, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, because I'm nearly five years older than you, I might, consider doing like a seven years or a 10 years or something I'll, I'll i'll have to look into it
1: you could like start with your earliest reading year and work your way up from there or something
0: potentially yeah i will i will be having a definite think about that
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah. for the idea totally okay the next social media is instagram and the prompt for this is a book so beautiful you had to instagram it which isn't relevant to me because I hate Instagram and all social media for the most part. I mean, except for like YouTube and Pinterest. Those are my only social medias. (laughs) But I will relent and answer this one anyway. I think my most beautiful book, it's called The Emperor of Any Place by Tim Wine. And this was one of those books that I bought because it was beautiful and it turned out to be an amazing book and is now one of my favorite books of all time. But it has... Covers. it's just like pastel and pretty and there's maps and a plane and just like fun stuff and the geometry uh, oh, it's so
0: good sounds great mine is I so, so I actually
1: I don't think it,
0: as much as I love looking at pretty books I don't think I've ever bought myself a book because it was pretty I think I have always been a much more kind of pragmatic book <laughs> buyer than that but fortunately for this prompt. I did get a present a couple of years ago from my housemate that is the 20th edition Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone that was like a, a Ravenclaw cover, like Ooh. a special Ravenclaw edition, and it's got these gorgeous kind of blue uh, – is it embossed? I, I'm, I'm not very good at art terms, I'm sorry. It's like a, a – a, it's a black a black background and then like the, the blue part of it that's like the title and the pictures and everything is like a raised – metallic shiny kind of material. I don't know what that's called.
1: Ooh, I didn't know this existed, so I take it you're a Ravenclaw. I don't think we've had this conversation before. We
0: haven't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ravenclaw, but m- mostly because you get sorted when you're 11, and like I still stand by being a Ravenclaw <laughs> when I was 11. Like 11-year-old me, 100% a Ravenclaw. Nowadays, I'm kind of floating more towards Hufflepuff but considering that the houses are assigned when you're 11 that's yeah Ravenclaw would be the only thing that would fit me uh, me and my know-it-all aged 11 self. What about you?
1: I have always been a tried and true Hufflepuff. I love Hufflepuff. It's my my jam. That's where I want to be. Although I very much buy into the fan theory that everyone has a house that maybe they belong in, but they choose what house they end up in. Like the theory that Ron is a Hufflepuff but chooses mm. Gryffindor, Hermione is a Ravenclaw, chooses Gryffindor, etc. cetera, right? Like, I think that's a pretty populated fan theory. And yeah. I definitely think Hufflepuff is my chosen house. I've definitely fluctuated on what my home, like what my actual soul house is. A part of me wants to say Gryffindor. Because I think I've just always had that sort of very, like, headstrong, direct, maybe a bit loud personality. But I tried to tone it down in a way that's more Hufflepuff-esque, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, honestly, mine really is super age-based. Because, like, even when I was... 11, I probably wouldn't have been a soul Hufflepuff or anything. I feel like I was Ravenclaw and now I'm like tending towards Hufflepuff, but I stick with Ravenclaw. Also, yellow looks terrible on me and blue looks great, so that kind of worked out.
1: Yeah, that definitely helps. Yeah. (laughs) The next social media is YouTube. A book you wish could be turned into a movie. Oof, that's a dangerous question. (laughs) It is, isn't it? It's, (laughs) yeah books I want to be movies, but so many books I don't want to watch bad movies of.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, so true. You just perfectly summarized the reason why this was so difficult for me. And also because a lot of the books that I thought, oh, this would make a great movie, I wonder if anyone's done it. They have, and I just hadn't heard of them. So, Or
1: they have, and it's not good.
0: Yeah. So mine for this is a particularly obscure... Book. It's called um, The Running Man by Michael Gerard Bauer, which, unlike The Stephen King, The Running Man has not been made into a movie, I don't think. Really obscure, like, you know, only just over a thousand ratings on Goodreads. And it was published in 2004 by an Australian author. Um, So it's a YA novel. And I think it must have been used in like school English classes for a bit or something, judging by some of the Goodreads comments. Basically, it's the story of a 14-year-old boy. He's given a project at school or something about needing to do a portrait. Um, He doesn't know who to do it of. And he ends up, after some convincing, taking on the project of... Painting or drawing or whatever. Um, the end <laughs> of doing the portrait of I think he's a Vietnam vet um, who's got PTSD. Full disclosure: I haven't read this book in seven years, so that's why I'm a little vague. And the um, unfortunately, the blurb is actually not good. Like, the, I took me it took me ages to actually get around to reading it because I got it probably in early two thousands and I didn't read it until seven years ago because the blurb doesn't actually sound very good. It's not written very enticingly. Basically he it's 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 a story of like an unlikely friendship that forms between the two of them. They bond over the silkworms that the that the Vietnam vet uh, kind of spends his time looking after. It covers kind of PTSD, but in a way that's approachable to young to the young teen audience that it's based towards. And I honestly just think it would make a really good movie. Like I feel like it would be the kind of thing that you could just kind of Take from the book, turn into a screenplay really easily, and then it would be kind of one of those indie films, probably. But it
1: sounds like it sounds like a movie that I've heard before. Like it sounds very wholesome, and like I love grandparent age people and like grandchild age people. Like even if they aren't actually related, I love that dynamic. It's so much fun. Like what do you call it? Like generation. Uh, diversity
0: or something? yeah yeah totally and he the kid also has like his own I think he's, his dad's away for for work a lot and so he has these kind of abandonment feelings and then he has these nightmares about the you know titular running man Um, and he, and he wants to figure out what's going on with that in his dreams so all the kind of stuff that would probably translate really well to screen and also because it's such an obscure book I feel like I wouldn't mind too much if they screwed it up because i'd be like oh oh well Hmm.
1: okay that's a good that's a good choice then it sounds like a good book for movie format
0: yeah yeah totally what's your pick for that
1: so mine i actually don't know if it's a movie yet the one that came to mind was a book by jandy nelson i don't know if you know her she wrote i'll give you the sun and the sky is everywhere i think the sky is everywhere is turning into a movie i I think it's one of them, and I can't remember which, but I'm pretty sure it's The skies Everywhere. But I would turn I'll Give You the Sun into a movie. It's a really cute story. I, this is another one. I haven't read this in a long time, similar to you. So the details on it are fuzzy. I just remember very clearly feeling like it was a very visual, colorful story that it's contemporary and, you know, uh, realistic setting. So it'd be easy to film. And it's mostly about, family relationships like the relationship between these two twins and the book sort of jumps between their perspectives but one perspective is from when they're older and one perspective is from when they're younger and like trying to understand their relationship and how they drifted apart and then coming back together I don't really remember where the story goes I just remember it being such a vibrant book in my head that would beautifully turn into a movie but I also don't want to see a bad movie of it. Because it's just too easy for them to turn YA novels into bad movies. I don't know what their issue is, but it's just too easy.
0: Yeah, I, d- I definitely understand that hesitance. I think I that that book's ringing a huge bell. I have a feeling that I have it and have never read it. I think it's sitting in my shelves, just waiting.
1: I would be very down to buddy read that at some point because it's, I believe, on my life. it's either on my five year TBR or like a past year tbr or it's going to be next year like it's coming up soon and i know i remembered it being incredible so i want to give it another go awesome
0: well let me know let me know when you're uh when you're getting to it and we can we can absolutely do that
1: wonderful i'll bring it with me to italy nice <laughs> okay so the last question is goodreads a book you recommend to everyone
0: i struggle with this more than I expected to because a lot of my solid five-star, I loved this so much books are things that are quite dark and that yeah. I therefore would not feel comfortable recommending to everyone. So what I ended up going with was something I wish that pretty much everyone would read, which is another recent publish. It was published last year, um, 2021, and it's called Growing Up Disabled in Australia. It's a collection of essays written by various people in Australia who live with disability of various kinds including chronic illness so that was really nice to see and it's uh, edited and compiled by Carly Finlay and I the the note I wrote on it um, for my kind of review was something along the lines of I'm really glad this book exists as someone who around this time around the time that this book was published early 2021 I, was just getting to a point where I was having to struggle with a relatively new diagnosis. I was dealing with some – now, looking back, some very early stages of my functioning declining because I was still able to work back then, (laughs) still able to do all sorts of stuff back then that I now can't do. But, you know, at the time it still already felt like a lot. And having these these stories by other people who were in various – levels of disability various types of disability I think there's um, more than 40 original pieces in that book all kind of short short essays or a couple of poems in there as well and it's honestly it just felt really important and so I felt like it fit this prompt well for me
1: that's beautiful I definitely feel like of the many hardships that are discussed you know broadly disability is one of the ones that like lacks the most attention
0: totally Um, yeah
1: that definitely feels like a call to read more about disability in my own life because it's something that's been on my periphery. I feel like I've been seeing a lot more. I don't know. There are actually just some like billboards that went up in my neighborhood recently, like calling attention to disability rights, and that has definitely made me think about it more. And also our budding friendship and imagining what it'd be like to not have access to work. in The way that you do definitely makes me feel inspired to read more about it so I appreciate the recommendation
0: well good yeah I uh I hope that lots of people feel that way because as you say it is a um disabled people and especially the people who are kind of the intersectional disabled people who also are in other minorities I you know I'm lucky enough to be a white you know cisgender presenting female I present on the outside as kind of able passing until I'm using my walker (laughs) um so you know it's it's which also actually has its own downsides because people don't necessarily realize that I'm disabled and so they don't allow for it. But it's like you say, it's definitely not as well discussed as some other minorities, especially in, I believe it's probably more so in America. Like the idea that you guys now have a a billboard for disability rights is amazing.
1: I also live in Brooklyn, which is just a different version of America than most America. Yeah? Well, just in the sense that like it's much more liberal than the rest of the country, I would say. And Brooklyn is known for being hyper-aware, hyper, aware, hyper almost to um, a satirical degree, you know? Mm. So, like, seeing it in Brooklyn, it, I can imagine that's the only place I would see a disability awareness billboard.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, what's your pick for this category?
1: Oh, right. Well, okay, this might be a cop-out because it's my favorite book. But I also feel like it has such strong ideas that it is my everyone needs to read this. This should be mandatory for all people book. Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh my gosh, this book is so good. It drives me crazy. Kurt Vonnegut is my favorite writer. And I love a lot of the things that he talks about the way that he approaches complex discussions and really like Funny and accessible ways. and this book, like I can't even get into what the plot is because it's just so complex. and it's just really it's really, really interesting and funny and it, it's one of those books I almost want you to go into totally blind because that's kind of how I went into it. It's about like a major like rich person who did nothing to earn his riches and he is punished by basically like this one guy who happens to be a time traveler forms a cult that spreads around the world that becomes bigger than Christianity. And then they like send him to Mars and then they send him to Mercury And there's like this war between aliens and people, but it's just, it's, it's got so many layers. I remember my description of it, my little like after blur, my review, it's like this book is an onion because it's just so chaotic and hilarious. I mean, That's how a lot of Kurt Vonnegut's writing is. It kind of feels like a fever dream. But the craziest part is that in the end, every piece comes together. And it's not only a fun time, a good ride, a great story about really interesting characters, an interesting plot, but it has so much deep thought and philosophy within it. I just remember reading it and being immediately like, this is the book. Well,
0: I'm sold. (laughs) That's straight on the list for me. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, it's it's a short one too. It's probably under 300 pages, and it's small, like like the print sizes. The pages are small because it's like you know those like vintage, mm. you know, like half page, like probably five by ten or something like that. Five books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could easily take that one down, and it will be so worth your time.
0: Cool. I will do that. Absolutely. That is that is on my list. Um, I will try and I'll try and remember to prioritize it. I will try. <laughs> <Of course.
1: laughs> It's like not even five years since I've read it and I already want to reread it.
0: <laughs> but- nice, nice. Well, that's it for us for today. Thank you for joining us, listeners. We will be back next week. Sounds good.
1: Thank and you so much. Nina
0: will be coming from Italy next week, I believe.
1: Possibly. And my flight is on Friday. So we'll have to see if we're going to record before or after. But who knows?
0: Yes. In fact, we'll figure- come to think of it, there's a chance the next episode may be more than a week, depending on how busy your life gets with the whole changing countries thing, but you know,